Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Pirelli tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Hey folks, it's podcast time. Jason Martin, Jeff Schwartz, we've been in all week for Clay. He'll be back on Monday, of course. We appreciate you joining us and supporting the brand. Really, really fun show today. Two awesome interviews. We had our regular conversations with Frank Isola of The Athletic and ESPN, as well as Dr. David Chow. And Pro Football Doc explains exactly what happened to Antonio Brown's feet. You don't want to miss it. Plus, Jeff Schwartz, well, he went into great detail about how he works on his daughter's hair. I couldn't speak a few times. The Orioles are terrible. And what teams in the NFL are most likely to decline? That plus Animal Thunderdome. Enjoy the podcast, guys. Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What's up, folks? It's Thursday, but it's still outkick the coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. Clay Travis back on Monday. Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz have been in all week. Jeff's at Jeff Schwartz. I'm at Zone. Should you... I don't know, follow the social media throng. That's how you can find us. Jeff's in Charlotte. I'm here in Nashville. Danny G, Roberto Flores, Eddie Garcia, the trifecta in L.A. Spinning the Dials radio style for us. Doug Yarbrough is here with me in the Music City. He'll be taking your phone calls at 877-99 on Fox. That's 877-996-6369. 11 games tonight, Jeff. I know oh, none yeah. of them count, but there's a whole lot of football to watch tonight. And there's some football to be gambled on. And guess what? Oh, I'm Jeff. doing it, baby. Jeff. And, and and here's what I'm doing. Here's you ready? It's, it's very simple. It's very simple. Okay. I'm looking at coaches. All right. So for example, John Harbaugh, Pete Carroll, and Mike Zimmer, three defensive special team coaches, very good in special in against the spread in their careers. Above sixty percent in the preseason against the spread in their careers. Because defensive coaches love to win these games. 
right? They're all into it. Offensive coaches just want their offense to play well and get and get to the regular season. So that's all I'm betting on, Jason. I'm not really, and I'm I'm going to bet on probably first time head coaches tonight too. Um, that's it. I'm not like going crazy with it. I won the I I luckily won the Falcons game the other night, and uh, we're uh, we're we're off and running, buddy. That's all I'm doing. Yeah, you. You may need to see somebody about that, but at least it's going to make the preseason a little bit more interesting Possibly, for you. Possibly, but there's a lot of things I need to see someone That's about. Fair, fair point. This is this is one of them. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, but no, I'm excited for for the football to be back. Um, look, as much as it doesn't really matter, and we've now gotten to a place where uh, starters don't even play really in this game. You know, it used to be where starters will play like a drive or two in game one. When we're not going to see any starters tonight, most likely. Yeah. Um, so things have changed, but nonetheless, I'm glad football's back, and um, I'm gonna be uh, be watching the third string defensive tackle for the Colts tonight. Get after it in the third quarter. I mean, Julio has said he's barely gonna play at all this preseason. We know Antonio Brown's not gonna be playing this weekend. Antonio Brown has no skin on the bottom of his feet. We'll have David Chow later on, Pro Football Doc. He'll be on the program later today, and we'll be able to talk to him about frostbite and I don't know overseas cryogenic treatment on your feet and all of those things plus Andrew Luck and his calf and all the other things that are happening and we'll have Frank Isola coming up next segment we can ask him about Bill Barnwell putting the Giants in particular and the Jets in his list of top five teams that could improve based on the analytics he also put out his declination list we will discuss that in great detail in just a little bit. But one thing that I did see was this Yahoo Sports deal where Kevin Durant has come out and said he doesn't hold the Golden State Warriors accountable for the injury. And I just thought to myself, Jeff, I didn't know that this needed to be said. Like, not that some people weren't blaming Golden State, but I don't think Kevin Durant saying he doesn't blame Golden State means that the people that were blaming Golden State now don't. You know? Well, you know, what's what's crazy is that there were people in my mentions that were saying that Kevin Durant should sue the Warriors because he got hurt. And I think, were we in during this time? I don't think we we were. We might have been um, for a couple days. And I made this point very clear. Kevin Durant is a superstar, correct? Superstar. Mm-hmm. I imagine he has various people in his universe who have who would seek a medical opinion for him that is not from the Warriors, right? He would second opinions, third opinions. He might even have his own trainer. We saw on Hard Knocks, by the way, Antonio Brown's trainer goes to practice. Like, good players, superstars that get special treatment. They have their own people to help them make decisions like this. And to think that Kevin Durant did not have these people in place uh, to help him make a decision like this is wild. And if he doesn't want to play, by the way, in a player's league, he doesn't have to play. He decided to come back and help the team. And obviously, it... It was uh, he got injured again, and to think the Warriors were responsible for this is just so stupid. Um, and it's people that want teams are kind of anti-team, right? People that are very pro player, and I get it, a lot of people are pro player, um, but the blame the team is just is no has you have no idea how this process works, um, and. The Warriors might not have been honest with us about how injured Kevin Durant was, but I promise they were, on, they were honest with him about it. Or he was, or he had gotten second or third opinion. I mean, I, I got a second or third opinion almost every time I got hurt, and I'm not Kevin Durant. So um, it's it's crazy that 
this got to a point like this. It's crazy, man. Yeah, I guess the only thing, if you wanted to blame the Warriors at all, it would just be, was there pressure we didn't see? Not, not to get on the floor, but just, man, where is Kevin? Like, discussion during practice. Remember Andre I'm Iguodala sure, went sure on that was, podcast? I'm sure there was pressure for him to come back. It's the finals. Yeah, well, not even necessarily pressure to come back, but just the... There was that rumbling. Andre Iguodala was talking about how the year before when he was hurt, people were basically saying that he wasn't as hurt as he appeared to be, even though what he was actually suffering from was worse than what some of his teammates thought, but that he felt kind of an extra onus to try and get back and wanted to get back in that form because it didn't seem like the information was reaching the players. And so I wondered, if anything... If there were rumblings, and there were some reports that came out that there were rumblings of other teammates that were just, how hurt is Kevin Durant really? Where is Kevin? Like, is he looking towards his future? All this. I mean, I don't know the specifics of it, but that has nothing to do with the yeah. organization whatsoever. And Kevin Durant ultimately was going to have to make the decision. The last thing the Warriors organization would do is try to rush back Kevin Durant because if you rush him back and he gets hurt and it is on you then you've just given up the chance to ever have him again. Like, he's going to leave. There was no benefit if he comes back and he gets hurt. The risk was way too great for ever being able to try to land Kevin Durant to keep him there. And Durant also said in this injury that, or in this interview, if he had, that it was already decided that if he was not going to stay in Golden State, then he was headed to Brooklyn, that there were no other teams part of that even though I know the Knicks and some of that was was on his brain earlier in the year but it's all at this point I I just don't know why he felt the need to come out and clarify this I guess maybe he was just answering a question and I I don't think most people look at the Warriors and think that they made a mistake as an organization um well, no, no reasonable. Right. Well, uh, I should say yes. I um, saw some people yeah, arguing with yeah. you on Twitter yesterday that are not well, reasonable. Well, that's that's this social media for you. Um, uh, it's it's wild, Jason. All right. So, <laughs> um, and I bring it on myself, but I, I enjoy it too, and it's fun. Okay. So, you know, in, in regards to you know the the Warriors' role in this, I mean, they obviously wanted Kevin Durant to play. Now, did they put out reports uh, about Kevin Durant not? Kind of, or, or I should say milking this. I think they did a little bit, which is kind of what every team does. And I was told from people in the Bay Area that, yeah, they thought maybe he was milking it just a tiny bit um, and that he was waiting to come back to kind of be the hero at some point. But obviously that wasn't true because he was going to tear his Achilles whenever he came back, right? And only it mattered. And, and to ask him to, as a player, to come back and not play his game. I know people were saying, well, the Warriors kind of forced him to play a different game. No, they didn't. He shot, He had three spot-up jump shots, and then to, to ask him to not become a basketball player in that game, I think, is, is not realistic. He's he is Kevin Durant. He's going to do what he does best, and he was just going, driving to the lane like he would any other time, and, and boom, the Achilles went. So, um, again, really a story about nothing. Uh, I don't know why this is still a story, and I'm sure people won't even won't believe him because of what Andre, it, it, you know, Iguodala said. Look, and I have beefs with teams I play with for the way they've handled injuries. Two, two teams, honestly. Um, teams are not the best at doing this. Remember, team doctors are paid for by the team, and this is not saying and we have we have David Chow on today. We can ask him about this. This is not saying that the doctors are purposefully telling you wrong information that's illegal they're not allowed to do that yeah they're not misleading you they're not misleading you but i do think at times they give you the most optimistic result 
when like, like I dislocated my my big toe, for example, okay, and I tore the the plantar plate on the bottom of my toe. It's a bad injury, you know. And I got told three to six weeks. Right, well, I think realistically, I mean, it was realistically it should have been ten to twelve, and it was. That's when I came back, ten to twelve weeks. Three to six weeks was like the best case scenario that would happen like one percent of the time. I mean, could it have happened in three to six weeks? I, I guess. I mean, if, if my swelling had gone, if everything had gone well, sure, but I wasn't barely out of a boot for three weeks. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, the best case scenario, if it was a playoff game, a Super Bowl, I mean, maybe I could have done enough to get back in six weeks. But realistically, I was never getting back in three to six weeks. But they told me that anyways, and I don't know why. It wasn't realistic, because that's the best case scenario. They don't tell you, know, you oh, yeah, you know, probably three months. Um and so that's what they do. They're not purposely trying to mislead you. They just give you the best timetable because they want you to play, and that's their job is to get you back on the field. Now, it does cause issues when they tell you three to six weeks and you're in week eight and you're not back yet, and then the trainers are asking you why you're not, you know, what's, why you're not back yet. Um, it's, it's, so, yes, there are some issues between team doctors and players and trainers at times. Um, but, again, they're, in the end, they're looking out for your best health. Yeah. I mean, what else would they, I mean? They wouldn't be in they wouldn't be in business very long if they weren't doing those kinds of things. So that all makes total sense. Uh, and when we have David Chow on, we can get his thoughts on the Durant deal, even though he was right, I think, from the beginning, because the night of the first injury, he immediately pointed to the Achilles. I never changed off that. This whole like, oh, uh, he's just got a little bit of a calf thing. Like, no, that doesn't that does not seem to wash to me. But I, I do think that Durant either. wanted to get back and play. And I'm sure that he didn't like... He's so sensitive, though, Jeff, that if he heard anything at all that was negative, that would have potentially made him make a bad decision. But at the same time, the doctors wouldn't have let him play. or they I mean, they could have told him the risks, but I think that the idea that they were optimistic and said, look, probably not going to have anything happen here. But I, I don't know exactly the conversation. I've never had a doctor there in that kind of a situation. I certainly have not been in a scenario in the midst of an NBA Finals where basically my, I look at my team and say, okay, they can't win without me. And that's well, what every yeah. narrative was at that point. Well, I think the question is, is how much did they tell him about um, – how much did they tell him like ab- about the risks of getting injured again? Right. Like, they tell him this is a you have a good opportunity to possibly um to possibly tear this again like i like like that that's the question is, is what they what they tell him as far as um you know the possible the possible injuries off of this were they forthright with him about that is really my only question because they i think they probably were but we don't know and again i think the whole time this was his achilles so it's not i don't think it's that much of a surprise that this happened uh, for him at least. So um, hopefully we can put this to, to rest now. And I do think that the Kevin Durant being so sensitive towards what the media says about him did play a role in him coming back maybe early. I mean, they might have told him like, "Dude, you're gonna you're gonna probably do this again." Um, yeah. And he did it anyways because he wanted to get back. So the media would stop talking about him. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I just, I think if I he totally sees one negative true. thing, he can't. It's amazing how sensitive. A person or an athlete he seemed to become after it didn't seem to bother him and then all of a sudden after that one article in Oklahoma City it just shifted and it got worse and it got worse and it worse and I actually think that the Draymond incident 
made it 10 times worse because it also made him feel insecure about being a part of the Warriors. Made him start to question what they were saying about him inside the locker room, despite the fact that Iguodala helped him to the locker room and Steph Curry walked him back to the locker room. And it seemed like his teammates did really, really care about him. I think that all he's look, and I'm like this too. I can get 500 great comments, 500 nice things said about me on Twitter, and that's very, very nice. But to that 500, if I've got one that's negative, that's the one I'm going to remember. I think that's just human nature, unfortunately, that the positives just flow by. The negatives don't. It's like being an NFL referee uh, or an offensive lineman, really. The only time you really notice them is when they do something wrong, unless somebody like you is pointing it out on Twitter. So I think that just Draymond just being in his face that way and him seeing that every day of practice, I think it just wore on him more and more and more and that probably did push him back too soon at least a Um, little bit or made him think he needed to get back at least i'm sure it did um but again again i don't know why he's so sensitive (laughs) it makes sense to me i mean he's one of of the what five greatest players ever maybe or one of the 10 greatest players ever uh, if you look at his skill set one of the greater players and so i just don't the i I just I, i don't understand why he is so involved in what happens on social media. Like, dude, you are Kevin Durant. You should not be worried about what people say on social media. As much as I clap back on people on social media, I don't spend my day like, oh my God, what, what's someone going to say about me on social media? Like, it, it does not, it's not important. I don't have burner accounts. Like, I have other things to do in my life than worry about what is said about me on social media. And it's just such an odd phenomenon. And I do think it's a little bit of an issue. I, I think that he needs to figure out how to, how to, how to not, not, do that um, because it's not good for his psyche. It's not good for the way he prepares to be worrying about people what people say to him about him on social media. Yeah, it's sad because it makes me think that it's hard for him to be happy in his life at all. And I of think course. that he's been chasing happiness. But you can't be happy if you're worried about what to, what a bunch of people are saying that ultimately you're never going to meet that shouldn't have any impact on your life at all. I mean, he's one of the great players that we've yeah. ever seen. If he just goes and plays basketball and tunes all this out, best thing for him would just be to get away from social media and move on. Put somebody in charge of it to just handle the brand and just move on. <laughs> I have a football friend who um, has a flip phone right now because he said that he couldn't handle himself on social media. And so he's a flip phone, and he calls his guy, and his guy um, is the one who will post on Twitter for him. Sure. It's okay. It's okay with Durant. He's a flip phone. And going to Brooklyn, by the way, is not going to help him. It's no. the New York media. It's not the New York Knicks, but I'm telling you, as someone who's been in the locker room for the Giants for for two years, man, the New York media is going to rip him to shreds. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield 
wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royals. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jason Martin, Jeff Schwartz, in for Clay Travis. He's back on Monday. We welcome in 
regular guest at this time, Frank Isola, who covers the New York media, and there's always stuff, or covers New York uh, sports, and so there's a lot to talk about there. Frank, how are you this morning? Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Doing good. So, Bill Barnwell put out this article. I wanted to have you on all week to discuss this because he puts out two parts of this article, and he's done it the last few years over at ESPN.com, listing the five teams he expects to see potentially take a major leap forward based on analytics and five that step back. And he's usually been pretty right about this, but two of the five he expects to take a step forward are the Jets and the Giants. I can kind of see it with the Jets because of where they're coming from and Le'Veon Bell and and some of the other moves that they have made in the offseason if Adam Gase pans out. The Giants is the one I really want to hear from you on, though, Frank. The Giants taking a step forward, considering everything that I've seen them do over the last handful of months, seems like that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I mean, they got a big time back in Saquon Barkley, but you have to wonder about what Eli Manning's done the past couple of years is the defense still you know the Giants have always been built on having tremendous defensive teams I'm not so sure they have it also look at the division they play in now you're going to play the Cowboys twice you're going to play the Eagles twice that's not to say that three teams can't make the playoffs from one division but I I don't know about that one I think that with the Jets it's a little bit different because I think they're expecting Sam Darnold to really have that big jump and uh play much better than he did last year remember he got up to a pretty quick start then kind of uh, tailed off a little bit at the end. The Giant one, I'm not so sure about. To me, like it's amazing about Eli Manning. Two years ago, you know, there was talk about you know when they tried to take him out of the lineup, or they did take him out of the lineup in that game against Oakland, and that, that ended the long streak that he had going. And it seemed to be the beginning of the end. And even though they drafted a quarterback in the first round, it's still Eli Manning standing there. Yeah, it, it boggles my mind as well, and it pretty much doomed McAdoo. I, I, I don't know if he was going to survive it anyway, but when that happened, where were you on that issue when they actually decided to bench him? I actually understood where that was coming from before he went out and didn't play particularly well after the fact when that decision was kind of pilloried, but where were you originally on that decision to put him on the bench? I, I'm always of the belief, and I, I wouldn't do it a lot, but I, I, I always laugh. Like you, know, you could have the best pitcher in baseball have a terrible start, and he gets pulled after two innings. But God forbid, you know, your quarterback is not playing well and he can never come out of the game as if somehow that's going to destroy him mentally. And, you know, Eli Manning just has, has handled just about everything really well since he's been in New York. I mean, he's been a class guy. I didn't think he handled that so well. The season was over at the time. What was wrong with trying to see, you know, how well other guys could play? And the media really went after McAdoo. And, you know, Eli Manning at that point, too, he was really upset about it. I get that you're upset your streak is ending, but come on. Nobody really cares about some, except for you, the, the person involved in the streak. The, like those numbers in football don't mean anything. And at that time of the season, it, to me, it was the only time that Eli Manning came across as selfish because it was, at that point, it shouldn't be about you. You know, the, the season's over. Let's see what some other guys can do. It doesn't mean that you're losing your job permanently. I thought, you know, I, I thought that thing was handled really poorly by everyone, including Eli Manning. Well, I, I could argue that, that the reason why it was handled poorly was because the Giants then went to Geno Smith, who was not the quarterback of the future. I think if the Giants would have gone with Davis Webb and said, look, we're now moving on to the future, it would have been a lot different. But they went to a quarterback that really was not going to be their future, and they weren't going to win anymore that year. Right? They already had the playoffs. It just made no sense strategically to remove Eli Manning and not to anticipate the backlash of doing that, by the way, and then also go to a quarterback that's not the future. I think if they would have said, look, Eli, we love you, but we're starting to look at our future. We're going to start Davis Webb. Wouldn't it have been a lot different reaction from everybody? 
I, I think that's a fair point. I also think if you remember the climate back then, you know, the, the fans, the media were kind of fed up with Ben McAdoo, so it seemed like anything that he was going to do wasn't going to be right. I think that is a fair point that you made, but I, I still think just in terms of the way Eli Manning has, I mean, he essentially broke down in the locker room. You know, he got all choked up talking oh, yeah. about it. I understand that there's the, he should take a lot of pride in the fact that he had this incredible streak, but at that time, it's what's best for the team. And, at the, you know, the, the season was over. Let's see what some other guys can do. Like I said, I think Eli Manning's been an unbelievable professional in the way that he's conducted himself both on and off the field. I think that that, to me, was his only misstep. So I played for the Giants in, in Coughlin's last two seasons, and so I got kind of inner looking in, in how they work. I went to New York because of the model of organization they had and kind of the ownership and the stability they have, but it just feels like they're, they're getting in, like, petty fights with, with media members in New York now. And it just – what is going on in, in, in New York? I feel like they've lost kind of that class a little bit that they used to have. Um, are they feeling the heat of, of not winning over the last couple of years? Like, what, what is happening with – um, the franchise a little bit. Right. I mean, you, you would know better than anybody. I do think that, you know, the Giants are looked at in New York. I, you know, the Yankees, because they win all the time. The Giants always looked as kind of these model organizations. And I think losing, of course, is going to lead to a lot of frustration. And you think about, you know, all the coaching changes that they had. I thought the whole situation with Tom Coughlin, I, you know, it seemed like he wanted to stay there. He 1,000% wanted to stay, by the way. Yeah, and I, I actually thought, you know, <laughs> Considering what he had accomplished, and I know that they had, there had been a couple of losing seasons, I would have stayed with Tom Coughlin. I think you know, I, I, I think he's tremendous at what he does. It is, but you have to admit, though, it is funny whenever you get in this position. Like, think about what Odell Beckham said about the Giants a couple of weeks ago. I think that was in the GQ article yeah. about you know that you know he helped you know keep them relevant. I mean, the Giants have been a brand. You know this from playing in New York. Yes. I mean, the, the Giants are a big deal. Their fan base goes back decades and it's Correct. you know it's also kind of like a wealthy fan base it's kind of like that connecticut you know you know westchester new york you know upper east side new york the rich people in bergen county it's you know it's got like a, a pretty established fan base i think you know like when what odell said i kept thinking you know they did play five um super bowls in prime time i don't remember him playing in any of them so i think they kind of did all right before he got there but to your point they do kind of need to get back to that i think they have lost their edge a little bit Frank Isola, our guest here on Outkick to Coverage. Frank, Kevin Durant said he's not blaming the Warriors. That came out yesterday, and we opened the show. And my question was, why did he feel the need to say this at this point? Like, it just seems like I thought we just sort of moved on from this and we were just waiting for him to come back and play for Brooklyn at this stage. Yeah, it's, it's a couple of things. I do think that the players do sit around thinking that we're waiting you know, every day for them to finally speak on this issue. We, you know, we had plenty of time after it happened to address it, you know, maybe he felt that now was the right time. But I think for Kevin Durant, you know, the one thing that he was looking for from the people in uh, Oakland was to kind of be loved and accepted. And he, and it almost like it took an injury for that to happen. So I think it's kind of a smart play on his part, even if he believes that, you know what, they gave me bad advice or I'm blaming them. I think the way that he's kind of taking the high road, I think it's a great way for him to kind of go out because he, he he left the team as a free agent, but it's not like the fans are upset. Remember, his the last game with Kevin Durant on the team in Oakland would have been game six. Remember, the fans had shirts. They were chanting his name. Mm-hmm. So I think for Kevin Durant, it's like he finally got that acceptance. So why kind of – and then you left. You know, you, you're going to Brooklyn. You're not going to play for a full year. Why kind of burn that bridge now when the fans are, you know, 
you know, you're leaving on good terms. I think it was actually a very smart play from Kevin Durant. What do you think of the NCAA's look right now? The optics are not good with this whole, I guess, quote, Rich Paul rule, unquote, about agents dealing with players that are more tertiary on the side. Like, it's not going to affect Rich Paul because Rich Paul is dealing with the elite of the elite, but it could certainly affect the guys that want to become Rich Paul, and it's just another, it seems like it's another blemish for the NCAA. Yeah, and I think, you know, I spoke to someone who's pretty close to Rich Paul, and Rich Paul doesn't believe that it's about him because he goes after, he gets the high-end guys. You know, right. He has been, he's getting the guys who are in college who know when they're coming out, they're staying out, and they're going to be the lottery picks or first-round picks. He did have a guy that was drafted in the second round. But, you know, the, the one thing is there were 41 players that entered the draft this year that did not get drafted that were underclassmen. So... That means that those guys lose their eligibility. Now, some of those guys might have been guys that thought, well, I don't feel like going to college anymore. I'm going to try. If I get into, if I get drafted, great. Maybe I'll try out for an NBA team. Maybe I'll make their G League roster. Maybe I'll play overseas. But there were, you know, so you figure out of those 41 guys, let's say maybe 15 to 20 of them received bad advice from someone who said, no, no, come out. You're definitely going to be one of the top 60 players drafted. So I still think it's a small amount of players that they're, that they're, um, that they're trying to protect. And I also just think it's more or less the family member who, or the friend who played basketball thinks that they could be an agent. It's a little bit more sophisticated than that. You know, if if you have a pretty good agent, they'll have a sense of where you're going to get drafted. They can kind of, you know, direct you to a team that there's, there's things that, that can get done. So I think on the surface, it might look bad, but I don't think it's, you know, going after Rich Paul in any way. And I think it's, kind of going after the low-level agent, you're right about that, who, to be fair, isn't sophisticated enough and probably isn't giving some of these guys good advice. It really isn't, and it's going to be like the mid-major player who's really good, who's getting advice from an agent, and the next thing you know, you're losing her eligibility. You want to get on the NCAA say, well, come on, let them enter the draft, and if they don't get drafted, let them come back and play college basketball. That would almost be a solution to some of this stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the, the one-and-done rule. So I think this is a rule that NCAA made. It's a little bit of a reaction to, to Rich Paul, but also to him st- you know, not stealing Darius Baisley away, but basically getting him to not play college basketball for a year. R.J. Hampton, you know, going um, instead of going to Kansas, I believe, he was going to go yeah. there, going to New Zealand now. And just we're seeing players kind of revolt against playing you know, the, the one-year college basketball. Is the one-and-done rule about to be over? And to your point, the last thing you said, I think, is the way it probably should go, is that if you want to declare for the draft at a high school, you do not hire an agent, or you do not pay an agent at least, and you go through the process. If you don't get drafted, you can attend college if you've not signed with that agent. But I don't think the NCAA should be protecting players from making bad decisions at 18 years old. I mean, obviously, Uh there are people that, that will give them bad advice, but they're 18 years old. They want to declare for the NBA draft for whatever reason. They should be allowed to do that. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and it's happening in other sports. I mean, in soccer, got kids are getting signed at like 14, 15 years old. Hockey, tennis, of course, and golf, you can, you can, you know, sign contracts at a young age. I, you know, it's, it's funny about, uh, the rule as well. I also think part of it is like, let's say what you and I were saying, you can go through the process, you don't get drafted, then in late June, you say, well, I didn't get drafted, I want to come back to college. Now, you were dealing with an agent now for a couple of months where you're receiving payment, and now that, that can get into an issue with the NCAA. I also think it's about protecting the coaches because now when scandals happen and agents are involved, the coach of whatever team, he's going to say to the NCAA, well, hang on a second, 
you're the one that had this guy go through the certification process. Don't blame me that uh, that he's hooked up with my player. So that, I think there's a little bit of that, too, because of that big scandal that happened last year in the NCAA. But I don't like the one and done. I think if guys want to go right from high school to the you know the NBA or play pro basketball, like you mentioned, you know the, the one guy going over to Australia, it's not going to ruin college basketball. The product of college basketball, to be fair, is not that great. People just like it because there's a lot of tradition. You're rooting for your school, the NCAA tournament with all the gambling. College basketball is going to survive. All right, so you're not going to have every year 20 of the best players. It, it's College basketball will be fine. I mean, think about the year we had this year with Zion Williams. I can't remember the last time we had a player that was, you know, that generated that much hype. The ratings were off the charts. And from everything that he said, he always wanted to play college basketball. So it sounded like even if you had one and done, he might have ended up at Duke anyway uh, this season. Frank, we always appreciate it, my friend. We will talk to you again soon. Have a good week. All right, guys. Keep up the good work. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so... 
there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph! Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cotto Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Final segment, hour number one here on this Thursday, Outkick to Coverage Radio program. Anywhere in the country you can hear this show on Outkick uh, or on FoxSportsRadio.com, iHeartRadio app. Outkick to Coverage with Clay Travis is what you search through your podcast catcher of choice and get this show however you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. All right. The Orioles are 37 games out of first in the AL East. Just barely out of contention based on my math skills. And it got worse. It hadn't been a great week. The two videos you've seen, one a few days ago of a fly ball that was not caught. The second coming last night uh, at home against the New York Yankees. Here is courtesy of the Yes Network, Chris Davis getting into it with his manager, Brandon Hyde. In the Orioles dugout, you had some serious drama. Chris Davis being held back as he was going after someone. And Davis out of this game now. You could see Chris Davis. Well, we don't see who he was going after, but uh, that looks like Mark Trumbo holding him back, along with hitting coach Don Long. Yeah, it was not good, Jeff. Did you see this? Uh, I saw a little bit last night. We were we were on the air last night doing my Pac-12 show. My producers are in New York, and they're Yankees fans. They were watching the game. Uh, well, one, one, actually, one of them is, um, and they were watching the game. So I got to, to hear about it live. Um, look, the Orioles are, are not very good. I, I think the best thing to come of this whole fight in this game is um, some of the numbers that people have been sharing about the Yankees in Baltimore this year. So the Yankees have played uh-huh. 10 games this year at Camden Yards. Camden yeah. Yards, by the way, is beautiful. I was, I did a, during the, the 95 strike, um, it was 94, 95 strike. We, uh, we were in DC visiting my uncle and obviously the Orioles weren't playing. And so we get to, we get to do a tour of like the whole field. It was pretty awesome. Uh, it's like a 10 year old. It was great. So the Yankees have 40 home runs this year at Camden Yards in 10 games. 40 home runs in 10 games. For example, the Giants this year, the Central Giants, my my team. Danny, I know you're, you're a, a Giants hater. In 55 home games this year, how many home runs do you think the Giants have hit in 55 home games? Uh, I, already, I know the answer, so I won't answer. 70. 39. 39. Wow. 
the Tigers in 53 home games at Comerica Park, another beautiful park. Um, what do you, how many home runs do you think the Tigers have hit at Comerica Park in 53 games this year? Oh, man. 14. No, no come on, Danny. <laughs> 37 well, I, went, home I runs. went way too high, so yeah, now yeah. I went way too the, low on purpose. It's, it's interesting about baseball, right? So people routinely bash on the steroid era, right? Because players cheated, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm not getting into this discussion. But what's odd about what's happening now is that Major League Baseball is clearly juiced to baseballs, right? It's clear, right? There's no debate about it. Balls are flying out of the ballpark now. And I, and I get it. Players now are trying to hit more home runs uh, because a home run is valued more than a single, right? We, we all know the reason why the shift now. Players are trying to hit the ball basically over the shift. Uh, the way to do that, obviously, is to get the ball higher, and eventually you know, the ball goes out. There's many reasons why, but the ball is 100% juiced. And we're getting the same results, even more home runs, than we had during the steroid era. And people are not upset about it at all. Uh, it's very odd that people don't care now, but really care, I guess, now about the steroid era. The it's just a better baseball. Just a better baseball, Jeff. No, the baseball is 1,000% juiced, um, which is fine. I mean, it's a better baseball. Or they've changed the baseball to make it easier to hit home runs. There's no doubt about that. Well, you know, MLB owns the company that makes the baseball, so it was an easy yeah. adjustment to make. Correct. Yeah, that's true. They're, they're just wound tighter. Um and I'm, I'm fine with it because baseball needs more offense. Baseball needs people to want to to watch their games and to and I and I'm a pitcher for a pitcher. I like pitchers' duels. I know I'm in the minority on that. They, they tend to go faster, first of all, um, and they're played crisper. But people love home runs, and I'm okay with baseball doing this. But it's just interesting how there's zero backlash whatsoever about um, about them doing this, even though if this was because of steroids. The end of the world would, would, would be happening. Maybe we need to discuss Chris Davis's stats real quick in our final minute of this hour. <laughs> in just 247 at bats this season, he has struck out 111 times, and this is this is hilarious. He came into the game batting 183, had a 591 OPS, and those numbers are atrocious, right. but they were better than what he did last year in 128 games. So he's probably not feeling too good anyway. So if you were going to find somebody on the Orioles roster that might get into it with Brandon Hyde, with everything that's going wrong, you talk about front runners and how it's really easy to be happy and be content a lot of times, at least when you're winning. Now, Durant might prove that thing false, but a lot of people prove it true. You can cover over a lot of sins just by winning in sports. So if you're losing and you're terrible at the same time or you currently seem to be terrible, yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. But the O's being 37 games out and the Yankees in 10 games having more home runs than two other teams do at home in the league, that's ridiculous. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. A lot of footwell. Yeah. Uh, If you did not mention it in our chat, you probably yeah. would have gone away with it, but you said it, so that's your fault now. We heard it right away. Oh, okay. <laughs> good. Yeah, because Danny comes in my ear. I mean, I said the new sport of footwell, and then <laughs> Danny buy, says buy that that football. was probably that was yes, exactly. That was probably a like an event on the Ocho yesterday. Yes, I saw footwell. the slippery stairs yesterday. By yes. the way. I watched that while I was on my show last it. night. It was amazing. I missed Did it. Did you see it was, that? The champion, the Cooper Jones, was the champion. It was basically what you would see on like a Japanese game show. It was exactly what we thought. The players were in spandex. There was baby oil. They're running upstairs. They were tackling each other down the stairs. You know, like one would get up to the very top and slip and take out everybody. 
exactly what you thought it would be. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sad that I missed it. I ended up not getting to watch much of the Ocho, but yeah, footwell is the new sport that I don't know exactly what it is. There is a such thing as a footwell, but this would not this would not be particularly interesting. But a lot of footwell. <sighs> By the way, I have a folder for Outkick that says amazing teases. There's been times where Clay says, "Next hour, next." <laughs> uh, and so this is going to join. Here, here's the tease. Listen, we come back a lot of footwell. Barnwell's article, tons more to get to. <laughs> when we come back, a lot of footwell. Like I said, this a lot is of footwell. Uh, this is getting into the this is getting into the weeds. But I'm a creature of routine and a creature of habit. And unfortunately, my protein bar of choice did not make it into my bag this morning. And that's pretty much how I start every single day is with one of four brands of protein bars. And me not having it, I was trying to decide, do I have time to go to a convenience store and get one? Well, and then I thought, well, that's three bucks. I'm paying for a wedding. I'm, you know, We're handling a lot of things. I can't go do that. I should save it. I can get home, and then I can get to my protein bar then. And this was a mistake because everything feels completely wrong because I don't have this thing. So I'm like tripping over words. I'm using footwell. I have no idea if I'm going to start talking about the right teams in this Bill Barnwell article, not the Bill Barnball article, but I could have potentially gone there as well. So I'm just, right now, I'm just on the struggle bus. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> the struggle bus. We had like a, one of my coaches I played for did a whole thing on like the energy bus. Like we have to be in the energy bus and like a practice that everyone was screaming about energy buses. It's really, oh God, I love it. Energy Usually. bus. We have to be the energy bus. Uh, so right. Stupid. Yeah. The phraseology can be pretty problematic. I agree. I had a discussion last night about the word goober. Oh, for, you continued the discussion. Yeah. I, I wanted to see when I just used it, what people thought. And so I used it with my fiance and she immediately pretty much said, yeah, corny's kind of the word. Like, corny is the word. It's not really being a jerk. It's just being annoying. It's yeah, it's being annoying is, and uncool. I feel like Goober is somewhere between corny and, like, a D-bag. Yeah, okay. I, I don't think Derek Carr is corny. You don't? Because sometimes when you're corny, like, you do it for a reason. Like, you just are that corny guy. And, like, no, I don't think he's corny. I think he's a Goober. Is J.J. Watt a Goober? Like, like okay, for example, corny people don't roll their sleeves up. Don't 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 roll their sleeves up and put baby oil on their arms. He said it was suntan lotion. Well, that's what he said, but his dudes were calling him out for putting baby oil on his arms. Yeah. So do you um, think it was baby oil or do you think it was sunscreen? Sunscreen that I put on is never shiny. Yeah, that's true. I mean I put yeah. some on yesterday and it would it immediately dried through. So yeah, you're probably right. He probably did put yeah. Well and if that's true, then that's gooberish. It does depend what kind you use because there's that spray here comes on. Raiders defender right nah, here. No, not at all. Because yesterday I called him out on it and said I liked how his teammate was busting his chops over it. But there is that spray on sunscreen and it That's has true. a little bit of shine. But the whole thing with the sleeves, dude, you're a quarterback. Stop it. Correct. Like, like no one. Congratulations that you have big arms. It doesn't matter. Peyton Manning, Can Tom you take Brady. those arms and throw it accurately down the field 30 yards consistently? Us Raider fans were screaming at the screen, okay, throw the ball farther than 20 yards now. Because what we saw early on from Carr was he could throw the ball 60 yards with a flick of the wrist. But then ever since the injury, yeah. he's been gun-shy and he just checks down all the time.
in in this offense though, you know, it doesn't there's 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 not a necessity to throw the ball as deep as as maybe other offenses. I mean, look, I, John Gruden ideally is going to do it, what Andy Reid did with Alex Smith. Right? I mean, that's the West Coast offense. That's what he wants to run, right? Timing routes, short routes, some play action. You know what Pat Mahomes did in Andy Reid's offense last year is not typical for what Andy Reid, you know, asked in a West Coast offense. So that's what Gruden wants to do. So I get why you know not throwing the ball maybe. Um, deep is always something that, that Carr is going to do in this offense. But to your point, ever since he got hurt, he does look a little gun-shy in general about throwing the ball deep. Yeah, and I think that there's something to be said for coaches that are willing to take shots early in games just to keep defenses honest. And it's better to be able to keep defenses honest when you actually believe your quarterback can complete that throw. And when you don't see him, I can understand why. And, and of course, every lay fan wants to see a deep ball. They want to see you go deep. And anytime you're struggling, they immediately think, well, why aren't you throwing it 35 yards downfield to this guy? He's making 15 mil a season or whatever. That's, that's just the way fans' mentality is. Oh, no, it definitely is that way. And especially with you know, paying Antonio Brown, who may or may not ever play again with his with his frostbitten feet. Do you buy, what, what is with this, man? Like so, When you think about have, this frostbite deal, what, where are you on this? So we have David Chow on later. I'm glad yes. we have him on because I think he's a skeptic about what actually happened. Uh, because to his point, I saw his tweets about it, if you have frostbite, they're being on your toes, not on the bottom of your feet. Um, and the fact is you're not in those crowd chambers really long enough. So like, how come, how come um, you know, the rest of your body doesn't get this way when you're in the crowd chamber? I guess if your feet are on the cold... I guess bottom of the crowd therapy chamber, maybe it'd be different. Um, I just think they're using that as kind of an excuse. I don't know what's wrong with his feet, but I know that John Gruden's going to be pissed about it. And I hope that Hard Knocks spends a harder, a, a big amount of time on John Gruden's reaction to when he actually learns the news about why frostbite. AB is not at practice. Um, and look, I, all I could think about when I saw this was the Steelers are probably glad this drama is not their problem anymore. Um, you know, this is. You know, people like to blame Big Ben for everything that happened in in Pittsburgh, and well, I think he does have some some blame thrown his way. I think Antonio Brown brought a lot of drama in that locker room, and the Steelers are going to benefit from not having that that kind of vibe in their locker room anymore. Re- remember, he went on Facebook Live, yes. and filmed himself celebrating after a game in the middle of a should- meeting, right? No, it was, it was in the locker room. Was it in the locker room after the game? Yeah, but wasn't it like Tomlin was speaking to the team while he yeah, was he doing it? Yeah, he was speaking it? to the team about, about beating New England the next week, I believe it was. He said yep. like like you know some, some inflammatory language, which is what coaches do in the locker room and because it should be a private area to do something like this. So I think with the drama gone, man, the Steelers are probably pumped about this. I mean, they're probably yeah, – but, lot- but, Jeff, in all fairness, Big Ben blamed – Raiders defender. Okay, no, so you don't I, want to hear the other no, side? I, I agree with I, you. I agree. Danny, Danny, I agree. This, is not ben, played, this is not all. Look, Danny, I, you played footwell like 15 times. I'm going to say ben, Raiders defender big, every time he starts big, saying something Danny, good about Big Ben, big ben should threw, not have done that. I he, just said that. Yeah, he threw his own players under the bus. He had that stupid radio thing he did. After the game, that's one. That's one thing. But that was a big deal, though. You don't when you throw a pass. He is because when you throw a pass that badly, you do not blame your receiver. And I'm no Steelers fan, but when that happened, I was like, "Oh boy, that's a bad look for the Steelers." If I was a Steelers fan, 
I'd be pissed at my quarterback for saying that about yeah, the well, receiver. Well, Roethlisberger's Clearly always kind of been an ass, fault. though, right? Like, this ain't new. Right. Correct. This is not news. So it's on both of them. Now, all of a sudden, I've been seeing these Steeler blogs the past couple of days. Like, see? See, it was A.B. It was all no, A.B. No, it wasn't. It was both. It's both, but I'm telling you, they're going to be they're going to be better without the drama of Antonio Brown. There's other things that happen behind the scenes. Like it's it's just like the whole week 17 thing that happened. Like that is not acceptable. Well, I think player. I think Big Ben learned because he he cut off that radio thing and he tried to apologize to AB for. Well, he didn't try. For, he did apologize. Yeah, he did. Well, he I say try because it came way late. Yeah, but it, but he acknowledged it. Well, but but that, by that point, the damage was done and the the guy bailed. I think AB's gonna have a rude awakening this year playing. Oh Oakland. yeah, he's, he's gonna, gonna he's gonna realize how good he had yeah. it in Pittsburgh. He's not gonna have all of what he had there. And this is not me piling on the Raiders because I mean the, he's great. The thing with Antonio Brown is, and this is one of the biggest themes on this radio program since day one, Danny. You you know this full well. Do your benefits outweigh your problems? We've talked about it as it relates to I don't know how many different athletes and how many different scenarios that have come up from a positive and negative context. And when you think about Antonio Brown, you get a whole lot of touchdowns, you get unbelievable speed, you get great hands, great route running, just an incredible Hall of Fame level football player on every single metric. But when he is in the airport on his way to your city, meaning to play for you, he is coming with four extra pieces of luggage. Like there is a lot of baggage as it relates to Antonio Brown, and as long as you're willing to take on that Samsonite, you're going to be all right. But you're going to have things like this that creep up because he's not necessarily quiet. And the Mister Big Chest thing was not just to get out of Pittsburgh; it's just kind of part of overall. It appears he just has some weird things that follow him around, and so is it worth it? And guess what? The answer is yes. If you're a Raider, you should be elated that Antonio Brown plays for you. But there are going to be days when he's going to make you want to pull your hair out. Well, in this case, it's an injury where we're not exactly sure what happened. And John Gruden doesn't sound like he knows everything about it yet either. And to Jeff's point, it's going to be fun to watch the next couple episodes of Hard Knocks to see how deep they dive into it. But there is going to be no more excuses for Carr as far as these little check down passes he's been making the past couple of seasons. Because finally he's got a couple of receivers with breakaway speed. Even with bad bottoms of the feet, we've seen video of the one or two practices A.B. has had where he's still blowing past the defense. Blew past everybody, which is – With bad feet. Well, here's the question, though, Danny. Is that – how great Antonio Brown is or how mediocre that secondary is? Like, does that scare you about your defense or does that make you feel really good about Antonio Brown? They don't have scrubs right now in the defensive backfield. Raiders defender. You're telling me that you don't think they made good moves on that defense the past couple no, of drafts? No, I, I do. I just wanted to get to Raiders <laughs> defender again. Look, I, I point – no, I talked about it the other day that I thought that that was a strong point. Uh, we talked about how they still have no pass rush, really. But they did fix their secondary. And Gary on Conley, he played really well last season. So that was a bright spot in a bad season, in a mostly bad season. But quietly in the second half of the season, Derek Carr, he was good as far as accuracy went. He just wasn't really throwing the ball down the field. He was Mr. Checkoff. And that was pissing a lot of fans off because we even had some open receivers down the field a little bit, and he just wasn't getting the ball to those guys because there wasn't enough separation for him to trust himself. But now with Tyrell Williams separating himself down the field, A.B. burning past defenders if his 
you know, cryo feet can heal. <laughs> He's going to have wide open guys, I think, yeah. 15, 20 yards down the field. Can he pull the trigger and get over the mental issues he's had since that broken leg? I think that John Gruden can't wait to get rid of Carr. See, that's like, the way I felt like, about I it. Think, Even though I he's think, pleasant with I him and he's nice year, enough to him, I think he wants somebody else. I think next year he is going to get a quarterback of his own that's not Derek Carr. Uh, maybe it's Justin Herbert. Maybe it's Tua. Maybe it's a trade for someone. Um, he was very enamored this year with Kyler Murray, which is yeah. doesn't really fit what his offense is. So that was kind of fascinating to me. But um, nonetheless, I don't him and Carr like Carr getting the buying the house next to him. Like why? Why, why would you want to do that? Like when you move. like when you leave the facility, dude, you want to leave the facility. You don't want to be next to the coach. Yeah, see, like, no, stop that, sucking that's, up to him, man. Dude, like it's such a weird thing to do. That's so right. Like. Here in Nashville on my show, and I do a lot of writing, obviously, and I've kind of asked for, hopefully, a space, like a private space, not necessarily an office, but somewhere I can close a door and be able to write and not necessarily be interrupted. In your building? Yes. And the reason why that is, is because I want to stop writing at home as much because it doesn't feel like home. Because when I'm at home and I start working, then any time that I'm at home, I feel like I should or could be. And so there's not there needs yeah. to be kind of that separation between your work life and your home life, right? So that you can get some kind of a break. Moving next to the coach ensures <laughs> that you will not think of anything other than sucking up to the coach or right. your football stuff. It's like no, like you need to get away. That's the whole point of when they put you in a hotel and say, "Hey, your family can't be here for a few days." They're trying to separate you so that your focus is on one thing. If you don't have an escape from your work because your work follows you everywhere, that's not good. It's not good at all, as a matter of fact. Plus, I'm sure Gruden could see through it, and he probably doesn't want David Carr living next to him either. Well, Gruden, look, they're not going to actually see each other much probably during the season, obviously, because they're in the facility so much and they're in the facility so long. Uh, You know what's funny? I work at home, obviously. I'm home now. Oh, no, sorry. I'm in the studio now. And um, and (laughs) I write at home. I do my web, a lot of my web stuff at home. And like I've never had that problem of of feeling like I'm at home and I can't work. I know, like for example, my my dad has worked at home now for 15 years, his own company, and like he will put on like quote unquote work clothes at home to feel like he's working. I I wear I'm in like house clothes, like I'm in like a a, a large oversized T-shirt from when I was in college, and just some organ shorts. Like I I wear this the entire day unless I leave the house, and I have no problem with kind of working at home. I know other people do. I don't. I don't know why. It doesn't really. Have, I don't have an issue with. It. I do. I don't I'm have a problem it. working at home. I have a problem feeling like I'm not doing what I should be doing because when I'm at home, I could be working. Like it's the flip side. Like when I write at home two or three days in a row, and then I don't write for a couple of days, I feel like oh well, I've been lazy because I haven't written for the last couple of days. I like there to be some kind of a separation. So sometimes now I'll just go write at a coffee shop or something with oh, headphones on well oh, but i don't really like that i kind of just wanted to be well, yeah i'm definitely headphones guy i'm also a bose sound sport guy as it relates to just walking around a grocery store or something like that like i, I am that guy a million percent if you see me out somewhere shopping it's usually with a podcast in my ear unless i'm with somebody interesting 
So you're, you you just don't want to be talked to in public. So you're that guy. He's no, that guy, Danny. Don't talk no. to me in public. I'm, I'm Jason Martin. I got my own radio show in Nashville now. Yeah, that yeah, just, that's definitely just, me. You know me. You have you're, very you're, unapproachable. You're, you're a new guy. I don't I don't like this new guy. Well, at least he's not wearing a muumu. Jeff was saying when you don't have to leave your house, oh yeah, yeah, yeah you can yeah, pretty yeah. much dress like a slob. Right. Oh yeah, unless you have to answer the door, and then you're kind of embarrassed because you're not oh, no. presentable at all. I I kind of I tend to agree with Jason because when you leave the house, you're forced to actually be presentable uh, at home. No, no. At home, uh, Jeff's Jeff's like, uh, it's like, wait a second, wait a second here, presentable. Uh, I'll take a picture subjective. today of what I look like to go get my kids from or my daughter from school today, and and we'll just debate whether or not I look presentable. I haven't shaved in like two weeks. I have, my uh-huh. hair is all over the place. Um, I I'm not sure I'm presentable it's funny i'll go pick up my you know my kids at school and my daughter now she's the only one at preschool just picking them up in a hair net and rollers i look like i'm (laughs) awful and like every now and then i'll have to show up like dressed up for whatever reason and people are like in shock like oh wow oh wow i didn't know you could like do that like they'll say to me oh oh oh, okay we'll we'll talk about your daughter i want to i want to talk about you doing your daughter's hair after seeing that jose altuve tweet yesterday we'll we'll talk a little about that Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, O-O-O-O-Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jason Martin, along with Jeff Schwartz. He's at Jeff Schwartz. Argue with him there on Twitter. I'm at JMartZone. Say nice things to me. I'm tired this morning. I'm just kidding. You can say whatever you want to say to me. So, WRBro's here with me in Nashville, and he was telling me a story during the break that I completely have not seen, but this is sort of original. So, Dub, what is happening at the Northern Trust Open this morning? Yeah, so PGA Tour Northern Trust Open, first of the playoff events this uh, this season. But there were some very, very bad storms yesterday in New Jersey and the surrounding area. So they closed off the course until 10 this morning. So no patrons are going to be on the course until 10 o'clock. Well, Tiger Woods, the main man, he tees off at 745. So probably for about his first nine or 10 holes, there will literally be zero spectators watching him on the course. And it got me thinking, when when is the last time that's probably happened to him? It's probably been... 30 years plus since he was 10 or 11 or 12 years old that he's played in a competitive tournament with uh, with no sp- uh, viewers watching him. He's going to see what it's like to be on like the buy.com tour. Exactly. Like the web.com tour. Yep. Can you imagine Maybe that? No like having it. a ticket to that event and not being able to go out there and watch Tiger Woods? I think you're right, Jeff. Like, refund my ticket. He's going to like it. Tiger's the, it, yeah, Tiger's the kind of guy where little oh, he'll things love like, it. Yeah, like phones and cameras clicking bother him, so he's going to love it. Dub, how do you feel about Derek Carr? Goober? I mean, he's a little bit of a nerd, I think. I mean, nerd, all right. You know, the I thought the baby oil sunscreen debate, I thought it was funny on the show, but but I mean, some of his stuff was a little awkward on the on camera, but you know, not everyone is seeking all that attention all the time with with the cameras on, but you know, we'll we'll see. I'm I'm excited for episode 2. I need to ask this question because we talked about Home Alone being remade yesterday. And did you see what Macaulay Culkin posted? Yes. Is that what you sent me, Dub? Yeah, I saw that yesterday on Twitter and I immediately 
sent it J-Mart's way because of our conversation yesterday on the show. And I, I almost, I mean, I almost fell out of my chair when I first saw that thing. Yeah, it, it was it was quite amusing. And it also showed me that I was not following Dub on Twitter. So that was that was a thing as Yeah, well. by the way, in case you didn't see it and you're listening, Macaulay Culkin posted a photo of him on his laptop on a couch Dressed kind of like Jeff Schwartz is dressed at his home studio right now. Gross. With his belly showing and takeout food all over the couch, a pack of cigarettes. And he basically said, this is what Home Alone rebooted would look like. Yeah, yeah just, the, the biggest problem amazing. is the phone. The biggest problem is everybody has a cell. Like, the whole point of Home right. Alone is you could not have it happen now because everybody has devices. So how are you going to reimagine this for 2019? Like, you're telling me the McAllister, did you see that house? That was the crown jewel. Remember, that's what Harry and Marv said. That was the whole reason they wanted that neighborhood is because of how rich they were. Don't tell me that Kevin McAllister and the crew, even the kid that wet the bed, probably had an iPhone, you know, 10s. Does he have an Xbox? Does he have like a uh, not an Xbox, a Nintendo 64 controller on the ground there? In that video, in the picture, it looks like he does. Um, yeah, the picture has almost 500,000 likes. It's it's fantastic. Best stuff we've seen from Macaulay Culkin is what was the ad? Was it Geico that they did kind of like a Home Alone deal during the Super Bowl this year? That was really good. Like they went back and kind of redid the entire a lot of the major stuff with Macaulay Culkin at his age now, going back through it. It was really good. I can't remember if it was the Super Bowl or if it was a little bit earlier, but it was one of the better ads I've seen in the last year or two. And now Macaulay stepping out here. Don't remake that movie, please, for all that is sacred. But Jeff, tell me about doing your daughter's hair. Yeah, so there was a video yesterday of Jose Altuve doing his daughter's hair. It, it is trying it's rough. to. So my daughter's hair is long. She's three. Uh, it's probably down almost, you know, it's past her mid-back now. And so it's just, it's a process, dude. I have to, she, she, first of all, she doesn't sit still. And we call it beauty shop. And and like when she does it with her with mom, my wife or anyone else, she just sits still. But for me, it's just, it's brutal. So I have to take the detangler spray. I have to spray her hair. And typically, it's just the bottom of her hair that's tangled. And I have to then, you know, brush it very gently because it's it's tangled. And you, I learned this too. You actually have to brush from the bottom. You have to start at the very bottom of her hair and move your way kind of up. Because if you start up and go all the way down, you get all the, so you just start at the bottom, you brush it out, you spray it, you brush it out, you spray it, you brush it out. Then you have to do the top of her hair. And then, then you have to, when you do a ponytail to make it, to do it right, to get it tight, you have to pick it in strands. Like you can't just grab her whole hair and put up in a ponytail. So then you have to like grab like a little bit at a time and kind of like, sh- like shovel it into the other hand that's holding the hair. And then to make it look nice, you then have to hold the ponytail with like my left hand and then I brush the top of her hair with my right hand and kind of re-grab the hair. All to, so it's like a really tight ponytail. And then I got to pull, I take the, the hair tie that's on my wrist. And mind you, I use like my wife's hair ties, the big, the bigger ones, because the baby rubber bands, I can't do in my fingers. So then I'm holding her ponytail with my left hand. I then like switch, I pull, I pull it off and then I hold on my fingers and then I put the, 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 the band, the, the hair tie on and then I do her hair. And then the problem is then because my hands are so big, there's too much space between where I tie her hair and her actual scalp. And then the back of the ponytail kind of droops. So now I've had to like, as I'm doing it, make sure that I grab tight and like shove the 
the hair tied down really close to her scalp to make sure the bottom of the pony of the the hair is not like sagging down and then it's like ugh, and then i'm done and then of course between the time that i do her hair and the time we leave school she's gonna mess it up somehow by playing or playing on the couch and her hair gets undone or she's gonna pull out herself and I have to redo the whole process again um i'm just getting anxiety thinking about it jeff that was better than any football analysis you've ever done on this show just talking that through, like I just kind of sat here dumbfounded listening to you go into the machinations of detangling spray and going from the bottom and the size of rubber bands. Like, I don't even know what to say right now. And then some morning she asked for hair clips, and I'm like, babe, I'll do your hair for you, and I'll just put the clips in. I'm not, I'm not like using the clips as part of the holding your hair up thing. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Um, you know, and then also she loves the hair ties. Like last night I went in her room about 8.30. She was just she actually was, was pretty cute. She was reading a book to one of her babies. And she had two hair ties on her arms. I go, Emmy, you can't have these in bed. So like she gets up in the middle of the night or when she gets in bed, she gets up, goes to the bathroom and grabs two hair ties every night. I'm like, Emerson, you, you can't give me your hair ties back, please. Why can't she have hair ties in the bed? Because she's not she an animal. Put- she's not going to swallow them. No, but what if? But they were on her arm. Like, what if she puts them all the way up her arm and it, it, it cuts it, off her circulation? It was, it was, yeah, for the whole night. Okay, it just it's just not it's just not good. The only bad things can happen. Um, I mean, it's a very low probability that happens. But she's had them like before, like like a hair tie like, up around her knee, like on her legs, just because she just wants to put it up there. Like it's 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 yeah. So I just take them away. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like, a nightly thing. <laughs> it's like Zeke Elliott's half shirt. <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's yeah, nightly. Yeah, I mean, right now because I'm doing the show in the mornings, I'm not having to put her hair up. Thankfully, um, and last year her teacher, her preschool teacher, put her hair up every day. The beauty shops, I didn't have to do it at all. I just brought her to class. We brought a, a pack of you know, big bag of hair ties. Uh, uh, rubber bands, the baby rubber bands, and hair clips the first day, and we just used them all year. So, she, uh, luckily, Lindsay would do her hair every morning, and it was wild, dude. She'd do her hair different every day, and I guess Emmy would ask, would, would tell her what she wanted. So sometimes she wanted, you know, double pigtails. She wants a braid. She wants like a little braid, like a little braid, and her hair up. I mean, it's just, oh man, learning how to braid is going to be rough. I just I'm gonna have to do it at some point, I guess. Exhale and just relax. This is Jason Martin along with Jeff Schwartz. Clay Travis will be back on Monday. Jeff is at Jeff Schwartz. I'm at J Martin Zone. Crew in LA. Dub is here with me in the Music City. Uh, You made me laugh yesterday, Jeff, on Twitter. Uh, Sometimes you have really good quips back to some of the idiots that tweet you. Um, But this, I don't know why this one caught me so strongly. Maybe it was just the timing, but somebody sent you a very poorly worded tweet. Like the grammar was yeah. real bad, and your response was thoughts and prayers to this tweet, bud. That's one of your best. Like you need to put that one in the hall of I, the hall I've, of uh, good. I've 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 done that a little bit with the thoughts and prayers thing because I mean obviously I think it just it gets overused on social media now, um, and uh, it's just it's just I think it's a funny thing to tweet to someone who's like sent a an actual probably serious tweet. They're like, I'm gonna get Jeff Schwartz, and I just say thoughts and prayers. So just like just it's so funny man like look, and i appreciate a lot of the people that, that do respond to me um and i know that a lot of people that do like my tweets are not responding because most sane people don't respond to every tweet that i have but there are people that just want to go at me and they're just not very bright man they just they're and so i'm able to just 
swat them away very quickly. Well, look, most of the loudest voices on Twitter are not the smartest voices on Twitter. Most of the smartest people on Twitter aren't constantly tweeting. Now, that's not always true. There are some people that have high volume that do, but a lot of folks are more discerning about what they say, and they choose when to say something when they actually feel like it has value as opposed to just throwing stuff out there constantly. We had somebody tweet us a little while ago and said, when Tiger played in Chattanooga in the U.S. Amateur in 91, he was 15, and the NCAA in 96 when he was 20, he had huge crowds watching him then. Today, no crowd. Today, it's Tiger Woods and his caddy and, I don't know, an oatmeal cookie or whatever it is that he eats during his round. It'll probably be... I mean, it's just going to feel like he's out on a golf course. But I, you have to wonder if Tiger... I guess Tiger Woods probably on private golf courses somewhere where nobody's there or they see him all the time. But even if he was just like out on a course, you feel like I would probably stop playing or at least try to be behind him by a hole so I could watch the entire thing, not maybe get exposed that I'm just following around like it's a, <laughs> my own private tournament. But it would be hard even just seeing him on a golf course not to immediately start following him or paying attention to what he's doing. I have to think that does, does he golf? I mean, I know he like golfs with the president every now and then, right? I mean, that that, that course is probably just just secured off, so right. he's not you know no one's getting close to him. But I mean, I have a I have to imagine he's probably not playing on a lot of public golf courses because you would see videos of him, would you? Of him, probably, yeah. I, mean, I think there's he, he probably plays somewhere during the off season of golf. Um, I don't know where that is, but. Um, or maybe he's not playing very much. He uses kind of the, the first couple of tournaments. Uh, isn't that one like the Bahamas where, where people shoot like 37 under that um, yeah. he goes and plays? Maybe that's the first With time. With his back, he's probably not out there playing a whole lot of yeah. rounds these days. How, how about that tournament? Like Literally, it's like 30, like the, the like the champion's 37 under. <laughs> yeah, see, I hate that. I just, I like I like my, that's why I like the U.S. Open. Are you I like rooting to for see the course? Majors. Are you a course guy? Do you root yes. for the course? I'm not necessarily. Uh, I'm not rooting for struggles. I'm rooting to watch the guys that are that good still be that good and be tested at that level. It's uh, not that I'm necessarily. I, would, I do root for the course, be, though. I love the U.S. Course, Open. It's my favorite event sport. Course rooting guy. This is Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis. Danny Method Man. This was his first record to Cal, I believe. Not was this the best in your opinion? Of the Wu solo records, it was not for me. I thought Liquid Swords is probably still the top of that heat. This is actually Method Man from Wu Tang Clan. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's not off it. Well, I was thinking. Yeah. I guess I was thinking bring the pain off to Cal. But when you look at Meth's like solo, I know a lot of people really liked to Cal. Yeah, and I, I did too. But I didn't think it was the top of the heap. I thought that Jizz's Liquid Swords. I thought the Beneath the Surface. I thought I even thought maybe. One of Ghostface's albums might have risen above it. Did you guys get to watch the Wu Tang Clan special, the documentary series, the Showtime? On Showtime? I have it. Yeah. I actually got screeners of it and didn't have a chance to sit down and watch it. I'm still planning to though. Really good. Whether you like hip hop music or not, really well made documentary that Showtime put out. I think it was like five parts. So if you have time to watch that, definitely look up uh, the Wu Tang Clan documentary on Showtime. It was like the Defiant Ones a couple years ago on HBO, which was absolutely tremendous as well. I, I just need to quit life. I, I'm going to blame it on the protein bar, but I'm, I'm like sitting here talking to Peter Burns on Twitter because he put out his top five boy band list, and he put another bad creation in there. And so I was joking about the Beatles, and I was just like, well, they didn't have I Want to Sex You Up and All for Love, so obviously Love Me Do is not going to hold up. And he replies, Color Me Bad, and I realized I got Color Me Bad and ABC mixed up. 
I'm just done. Oh, it's all just a wrap for me today. <laughs> I'm just going to reset this entire day. But let's do some Animal Thunderdome here to end the hour. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. This is Animal Thunderdome. All right, Danny, it's time for some footwell. What do you got? <laughs> this headline reads, Florida dog owner pries open alligator's mouth to save beloved pet. Nope. Nope. Your you, pet's your pet's gone. You yeah, do see not ya. mess with this guy's dog. A pet owner in Nokomis, Florida, recently wrestled his black lab from an alligator's mouth. After the gator managed to get a hold of his dog last Friday afternoon, the man, who hasn't been identified, reportedly heard the commotion from inside his house. He ran out the back to find the dog and the gator in the canal that's behind his home. He jumped in, pried the gator's mouth open, retrieved his dog. The man and the dog were both injured, although representative for Florida Fish and Wildlife said both are expected to recover. Dogs, bruh. Yeah, so you're both saying you would not save your dog? I don't know. It depends on. You, you I mean, couldn't just stand there and watch nah. your dog got get eaten. I don't know what get I would. Got. I wonder if like I like. I wonder <laughs> if the alligator was confused. And the alligator was like, "Wait, what is this man doing?" I remember Clay always talks about what he can do to an alligator. <laughs> the alligator oh, he went from tasting chicken to tasting steak. That's what the alligator I, was thinking. I, I, oh. I, I know Clay always has his ideas of how he would like defend himself against every single animal. I love it. Well, not just animals. I mean, he thinks that he could have made the play <laughs> on Stefan Diggs. Oh, that yeah, was one of the yeah. things he said a couple of oh, years yeah, ago. We've got, we've got to, yeah, we've done just, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, quickly, we have time for one last one here. Yep. Ven- venomous snake missing at the Bronx nope. Zoo. Did you guys see this? <laughs> nope, sure didn't. Not going to New York. <laughs> the sta- not going to the Bronx. <laughs> the staff there insists there's no danger. They have a sign out front of the zoo that says, it's a four-foot-long mangrove snake missing, but don't worry, it's only mildly venomous. Oh, well, that's good to know, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> this is a stat you probably weren't expecting, Danny. That snake also has more home runs in Camden Yards than do the Tigers or the Giants in their home fields. Don't! Not even ten games. That snake probably in one game. That Seriously, just a little bit venomous means I'm moving out of the state of New York. You don't play around with snakes. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts 
parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Final hour on this Thursday, I'll kick the coverage anywhere in the country, FoxSportsRadio.com, the iHeartRadio app. Download the podcast, I'll kick the coverage with Clay Travis. Clay's back on Monday. Jason Martin, Jeff Schwartz in all week with you. Jeff's at Jeff Schwartz. He played in the NFL for eight years. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Dr. David Chow, pro football doc, joins us next segment. A lot to get to with him in multiple sports, so that's going to be fascinating. You go to PGATour.com, you can see Tiger Woods playing with no one but media around him right now. It is fascinating. Uh, by the way, a, a, a loyal listener 
send me a direct message about uh, where Tiger plays in the offseason. Um, Todd B sent me a message. What? Is it, where is it, in Florida? Yeah, he plays at a private, at Greg Norman's private course. No phones allowed there. So yeah, that's figured. why that he plays and we don't know about it. That was like old Kid Rock. That's the old Kid Rock story. I'm sure he's not alone, but he was the first one that I heard about this because he had a place in Nashville and, and spends a lot of time here. He will throw these big, huge parties, these get-togethers, and as you're walking in, a basket's there to take your phone. Like, no one is going to see what's happening inside these parties. So I figured wherever Tiger played, phones wouldn't be allowed because you would see photos slash videos of him at all times, especially when he was dealing with injuries and oh, things yeah. like that. Like, why in the world would would we be able to see those kinds of things? So we weren't. All right. Let's talk about Bill Barnwell, the second half of Bill Barnwell's article. Um, the five teams likely is to decline. I know we still have to do the AFC and the NFC East. The AFC East is not going to take very long. The Bills are not very good. The Dolphins are not very good. The Jets should be a little bit better. And the Patriots are going to win the division. Correct. I don't really even know. There's not all that much to say there how much better the Jets are going to be. I don't know. It depends on what Le'Veon Bell is and what steps Sam Darnold takes and whether or not he and Adam Gase are a good marriage together. But they should be better. But the five teams likely to decline. I don't think that. I think the big theme here, Jeff, is that all of these teams in common had a ridiculously good record in close football games. Right. The Rams were six and one, and they're the number one team on here. And the thing about it is, close game success is generally not sustainable long term. Yeah, yo- yo-yos every year, typically. Yeah, especially like you were talking about the Panthers being an example of that. Well, the Rams are 13-3 and last year. They have sort of a middle-of-the-road schedule. But it, it depends a lot on Todd Gurley's health, of course. But they don't have Saffold anymore. They don't have Indomitian Sue anymore. Some of the guys, they just couldn't afford to pay. So maybe they're not going to be quite as good. Plus, you're going to be taking everybody's best shot if you're the Rams. Not that that's necessarily new. But I could still see the Rams winning that division with 11 wins instead of 13. That's not a huge decline, but that would still be two wins shy of what they had last year. Right, and and we look at teams that are falling backwards. I agree with you. I don't think that they take a step back to like 8-8 eight eight or 7-9. No. But if you look at the Rams, a couple of things. So you mentioned the offensive line, right? So Stafford left, went to went to the Titans. I almost said your Titans. I mean, you, you, you follow the Titans enough. Um, yeah. Obviously, being Nashville, a big loss for them. They had to replace their center, John Sullivan, who was who was kind of uh, it was a focal point of the Patriots' game plan in the Super Bowl. I'll just say that they they, they took uh, they used um, kind of Sullivan's age, uh, maybe his lack of mobility um, uh, against him. Andrew Whitworth, the left tackle, is like thirty eight. He's getting a little old. Um, the right guard, uh, Austin Blythe, played okay last year, but you know he's not he's not a, a Pro Bowl level player. Not everyone on your team, by the way, is going to be a Pro Bowl level player. And then having seen the right tackle is good. Um, so your offensive line takes a little step back. And then we saw last year, starting with the Detroit game, in a week 12 or 13, that there's a defense that works against the Rams, and it's called quarters. So mm-hmm. it basically means you have two safeties deep, but they're at the same level as the corners. So you're playing four across. Quar- quarters, obviously. Four across, right? Um Four quarters in dollar, you get everyone get it? Okay. Four yeah, across. Yes. Um, I just have to make make sure. People were like, oh, 25. No, four across. Um, and what it does is it allows your safeties to be in the run game more often. 
So typically, if you have two high safeties, they're deep and you're playing that cover two. When you, we're playing quarters, they're about 10 yards, and they can shoot right now in the run game. So the Rams run a lot of that outside zone. Well, that, that safety is accounted for by a wide receiver or not at all. And so he can shoot downhill really fast and force the outside zone to cut back to where there's unblocked defenders or they can make the play themselves. Uh, the Patriots ran a lot of quarters in the Super Bowl. Uh, it's also good against play-action pass. Uh, now, they're obviously our, our, our quarters beaters, uh, and if you run the ball up the middle of the field, you get a little bit, um, you can kind of avoid those safeties. And the Rams just kind of never adjusted off that defense, uh, and it really showed in the Super Bowl as, as they struggled to really mount any sort of offense because of the Patriots' ability to run that quarter's defense. Um, and so, so there is a blueprint now to, to kind of stop them, and I wonder... And I, I know Sean McVay knows this too. It's no surprise. I wonder what adjustments he's made uh, about that. You know, Cooper Cup coming back is a huge, it's huge big. bonus for them. Really huge big bonus for them. It's huge. Uh, so I hope that um, he's able to um, to to come back uh, and really help them out. You know, when their offense kind of did take a dip a little bit when he um, when he was uh, when he was gone. So. He's back now. Defensively, obviously, we know that they have uh, Aaron Donald still there, and we know that uh, they can still, you know, they still have a good, a good back end. But their linebackers still are kind of suspect. Where's their edge rush coming from? I know they have Fowler a little bit. You know, Dominic and Sue last year, I was surprised, man. He had an opportunity to really be a big dog. You know, Aaron Donald's getting doubled. You know, Sue, Sue's not getting doubled, um, and so you know, he just he was never he never became like that big. Dog Sue's half and half, Jeff. I mean, like sometimes he was dominant, and then other times you wouldn't even realize he was on the field. Right, and so they don't have that other guy. So I just think they're going to take a little step back, and the division has gotten better. Right, we know that um, you know the Seahawks are going to be good. The Niners, if Jimmy G is healthy, are going to be better. I don't know. What Cardinals should be better. They yet. should be better than they were last year. They should. Yeah, that doesn't mean that. Obviously, they're they're going to be right. They should be better, yeah. Uh, Especially so, you know, early, like, like you know, like I like I just put on the 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 first play of the Super Bowl quarters coverage, like and a safety would have made. I mean, Gurley got tripped up on the first play, but the safety McCourty was right there to make the play. If not, it's on just unblocked player um, on that outside zone scheme. So I wonder what changes will be made um, by by McVeigh to kind of combat this quarters coverage, like play two quarters coverage. No, it's a little bit – they went one there. But, yeah, they short quarter shell. So, like, I do wonder what they're going to do to kind of fix this issue they have. So, Sue is gone. LaMarcus Joyner has gone. They didn't get younger. I mean, Eric Weddle's 34. They bring him in. He's really good, but he's 34. They bring yeah. in Clay Matthews. He's 33. Right. Aqib Tlaib turned 33 earlier this year. And Tlaib was very good last year. Weddle was great last year. But – that's a position where when you age, you can become – it can be a real problem for you out there. And they you know, they did lose Cup last year, and bringing him back is a big deal. But I, I still think they could easily win that division, but I just don't think they're going to do it at 13 wins. Another 13-win team is number two on Barnwell's list, and that's the Saints. And I agree with this one. And they were 5-1, and one, Jeff, in games decided by a touchdown or less. They yeah. have a bit of a tougher schedule. They're in a tough division. Yeah. I really like Atlanta. You like Atlanta as yeah. well. Uh, and, I mean, they paid Michael Thomas. He's fantastic. They've got Kamara. He's fantastic. And they've got Breeze, who is 40. And we'll see whether or not the wall that we saw him hit towards the end of last year was a temporary thing or if – and this is something that I think we see. When quarterbacks begin to decline, it's not some very gradual – deal it's like all of a sudden they wake up it's like you find out 
there's always this old theory that you wake up in your 40s one day and you realize you have to have bifocals. Like your eyesight went in the middle of the night. Yeah. And it seems like quarterbacks, it's that way. Like when it goes, it goes. And we'll see whether or not that's the case with Breeze this year. Uh, I mean, I, I think that um, we saw last year a big decline in Drew Breeze's uh, passing numbers. Now, that's not always an example of a quarterback declining in general because the Saints were able to run the football on their defense was much improved last year as the season went on. The defense actually played really well, um, but still, it's I think it's a little worrisome when you look at um, you know his his season last year to see him you know the first couple of weeks though for three um, for four thirty nine three ninety six he had a three hundred and sixty three yard game against um, the Redskins and then the Rams game the first Rams game yes. he threw for three hundred forty six yards the Eagles game where they destroyed the Eagles at home threw for three. 63, but then it's 171, 127, 203, 203, uh, I mean 201, 203. It's just the numbers, the, the touchdown numbers. The last four games of the year, he had three touchdowns only and three interceptions. His quarterback rating dropped a ton at the end of the season. Um, yards per attempt at the end of the season were just, and some of these games too just weren't very good. Um, and so I do wonder if, if age is starting to show a little bit in Drew Brees. Also could be a function of, you know, they really don't have a lot of offensive weapons. No. You know, I know they signed Michael Thomas back, but, you know, they really are lacking multiple weapons to where teams are like, look, we have to, you know, we have to double someone, uh, or we, excuse me, we can't double anybody. And there's really, I mean, Ted Ginn takes the top off of defense, but he's not a, a threat to where people are afraid of him. So I do wonder if, if just the nature of the defenses he's playing against are more geared toward stopping the pass because uh, they really don't have many options. And when you look at the things that aren't generally consistent or sustainable, close victories and being healthy. The Rams were really healthy last year. I know Cup got banged up, but generally they were a healthy football team compared to the rest of the league. New Orleans was sixth in the league in terms of their health. They didn't lose a lot of stars. Now they already don't have Sheldon Rankins because of what we saw in the postseason last year when he tore his Achilles. But they lost Ted Ginn for, for some time last year, Patrick Robinson to Ron Armstead, but that was it. Like They didn't lose a bunch of key guys. And when you talk about Breeze's fall-off, in the first 10 yeah. games last year, Jeff, 77% completion percentage, which Wild, was utterly dude. absurd. 25 touchdowns to one interception, a 127 passer rating, and a QBR of 88, basically. Then weeks 11 through 17. His percentage dropped to 69. Look, a 69% completion percentage is still very good. But 11 touchdowns to 6 interceptions, and his passer rating dropped almost 30 points. His QBR dropped almost, well, no, it dropped 33 points. So it was a substantial difference between these two. And I don't know if that's age or whether it was teams catching up to him or just them not having the weapons and finally you realized how to defend it better. But the, the secret last year for the Saints that was that their defense was better than people thought that they were going to be. It was. And they needed them. And they needed those guys. But once Dallas finally got them, they did not look like the same team after that. And Dallas is actually the third team on Barnwell's list. And this might be the most striking stat I saw in this entire list, Jeff. Dallas was 10-6 and last year. In games decided by a touchdown or less, they were 8-2. and Eight of their 10 wins came by a touchdown or less. Yeah, and I like Dallas a lot uh, this year, but um, 
I don't have them taking a step back. I don't think they're going to – I don't think – I think 10-6 and again could happen. I also think they could improve and actually be 11-5. and I have them winning the NFC, I think. Um, So you have them in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm Patriots-Cowboys, which I know America will just love. Um, Yeah. I just, the Cowboys, man, it's just it's defensively. They're so good defensively, and if they can just take a little bit of a step better on offense, where Dak has Amari Cooper all year, uh, Randall Cobb is now there, Travis Frederick comes back healthy their center, obviously Zeke's coming back at some point this year. He's not holding out for the entire season. I think they have so much talent um, on defense and offense, and if they just can get Dak Prescott to just play a little bit more aggressively, man, they're going to be good, really, really good. So... Um, they play a tough division. I get the Eagles have a, have a favorable schedule. Um, you know, they play the third easiest schedule and they look loaded as well. But, uh, man, I think that, that there's really a lot of, uh, wins for the Cowboys, uh, and they can win the, the division, which will be the first time, by the way, the repeat winner in the NFC East in 2004, um, which is, which is pretty remarkable, uh, when, when you think about it. But, um, yeah, I think that, um, Cowboys are going to be good. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royals. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios. Clay Travis not available for the rest of this week, as he hasn't been all week. He'll be back off his vacation on Monday, set for the football season. Jeff Schwartz played for football in many different places for eight different years in the NFL. He's at Jeff Schwartz on Twitter. I'm Jason Martin, host of the Jason Martin Show, heard Fox Sports Radio Sunday mornings, 3 to 6 a.m. Eastern time. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. This guy's at Pro Football Doc, one of the best follows out there amazing just how he's risen up you talk about how mike Pereira kind of changed the game for officials and all of the things that he has been able to do and it's been very hard to duplicate as other networks have tried to do the same thing and it hasn't worked well this guy has changed the game as it relates to what we know about injuries and he is dr david chow who worked for 17 years as a team doctor for the san diego chargers doc how are you this morning I'm doing great. Thanks for the intro, and and I'm here working like you are. What about Clay? It's football season. Why why is he on vacation? Because he's always on vacation. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> yeah. So so tell me about Antonio Brown's feet. I know that you were sort of you didn't buy into the frostbite thing. I think that now that it's been clarified, you've sort of seen the nuance of everything that's going on. But explain what exactly is happening with the bottom of Antonio Brown's feet. I'll try and keep it as simple as possible because it is medically fairly technical. Uh, it's not frostbite. Frostbite occurs more in the toes, not in the soles of the feet. It is some sort of cold burn on top of a, quote, mild case of trench foot where the bottom of the foot is macerated and wet. And before fans blame Antonio Brown and say, you know, wear the booties and whatever. If you don't wear the booties for the cold therapy, cryotherapy, you don't get this happening to you. I think it was a perfect storm. When he, with the macerated foot, trench foot, from whether moisture conditions, uh, his training, working out, etc., mild case of like World War One 
trench foot standing in the swamp in the trenches, etc. That left moisture on the bottom of his foot. When he did the cold therapy, the cryotherapy, and he probably, this is my hunch, has done cryotherapy many times before without using the booties. It's not mandatory and it doesn't freeze your foot like this if you don't. But if your feet are wet or there's moisture, it does potentially freeze it because water conducts. Think about it this way. If you run outside in the cold for a few minutes without a jacket and it's freezing temperatures, you're cold, but you're fine. Mm -hmm. But if you jump into the, or fall into the freezing cold temperatures of the ocean, you don't last more than in a minute or two because you start to shiver. It's the conduction of the cold and through the, through the liquid. And I believe it was this combination that caused this unique situation. By the way, something I have not never saw in my 17 years uh, in the NFL, et cetera. So I think that the term frostbite was just a lay term that was used, and that's probably what confused me. And that's why I came out so hard and said, this is not frostbite, and this is not frostbite. But the cold did have something to do with making the macerated wet soles of his feet a little worse. Hopefully that explanation makes sense. I try to simple it, simplify. If you go to my Twitter timeline, there's a more complicated explanation, more detailed as to why I get there. But let's keep in mind, I haven't examined him. All right. I've seen his last Instagram picture and then seen the reports, etc. And I'm doing a, uh, and this will age myself, a uh, Quincy Medical Examiner or a Medical Mike Pereira, so to speak, a Quincy Medical Examiner from afar for people who uh, are aware of that old Jack Klugman show. Uh, deductive reasoning. Medically. Yes. So the, the, the one thing that I, that I don't understand this whole thing, well, I do understand it, but, but just from Antonio Brown's perspective, like his job is to use his feet, obviously, right? He is a, he's an athlete that his feet are very important. How do you end up having your feet get so wet like this? You're wearing socks that obviously help with, with this. You should be you know, taking your shoes out of your cleats after you're done working out. I don't understand how his feet can get so macerated like this being a, a high-priced professional athlete with private trainers and private therapists and things like that. How does this end up happening in the first place? Well, you make a good point. And the first time I wrote about it a few days ago, that was my big point. Like, what happened here? How does it get so, so bad? And uh, look, there are some medical conditions where you – excessively sweat in your palms or the soles of your feet. I'm not saying Antonio Brown has that. He probably doesn't. I mean, he's not a rookie. I mean, he's trained a lot before. Right. He, he does overtrain some, right? I mean, you see all the Instagram videos and whatever, and, and some have pointed out that uh, he's been seen, you know, working out no socks and Gucci loafers, et cetera, on occasion. Uh, look, I don't know how often he does that. But, you know, and what's, it is strange because it's not like he's coming out of a, a, a sweaty, hot, humid training camp in the south or something like that where it's hot and now he has this. He's coming into training camp in Napa Valley with something like this. My guess is it's a combination of, of his traveling around, hard workouts. He started to get this, and it was manageable, and he was managing it. And then here's the perfect storm where there's this uh, cryotherapy thing with the water, and then it all of a sudden escalated all of a sudden. It is interesting, yeah, he's known to travel with personal trainers all the time. So you do make a good point. And quite honestly, I wish Hard Knocks would have kind of addressed that point 
in episode one, but they didn't. Yeah, they didn't address very much at all. And I know Gruden's been asked, when's he going to be back? And this is pure speculation because you don't know, and obviously these things can be different from case to case. But if you just had to guess, I mean, it's not going to—he's not going to miss the season for this. But how long is this going to be a nuisance for Antonio Brown, and then larger, I guess, for the Oakland Raiders? Well, you know, he's gone to see a couple of opinions uh, on the bottom of his foot. But look, I wrote in the article, I don't see this extending into the regular season. Uh, Certainly, it could extend some in the preseason. Certainly, it can affect the acclimation to a new offense, a new team, and a new quarterback. Uh, But, you know, I'm not saying he's going to come back tomorrow, uh, but I think he's going to come back well before the uh, regular season gets going. If you think about it, uh, if you uh, uh, get – it's not quite the same as blisters. You get a blister on the bottom foot. How long does it take to heal, right? Now – he can run now, but as he really puts pressure on it to make the hard cuts that he needs to, it sort of aggravates the situation. So uh, I think it's smart to wait till he really is fully healthy, and I don't think it's going to be something that's going to uh, affect the regular season other than perhaps the preparation for the regular season. Looking at Niners rookie Nick Bosa, he had the sports hernia, the lower abdominal surgery in college, missed the rest of his senior season. Then he had a hamstring, I think, on the first day of, of OTAs, was held out for, for the rest of the offseason program, uh, came back a little bit later in training camp, now has a sprained ankle. At what point do you start getting worried about these injuries piling up for, for such a young player? Well, you know, I hate the label injury prone, so no one should put that on uh, any player, and much less Nick Bosa. Uh, the injuries seem to be different injuries. The latest one, uh, it's not like recurring in the same body part or an area of weakness. Uh, hamstring injuries are very common uh, for fast twitch athletes like him, especially in the early part of training camp in the first ten days or so. Do to acclimation to football. I, Jeff, I know you've seen that yeah. in your career with your friends and teammates, etc. And, you know, I ha- there's no video of this, but apparently he just rolled his ankle and it's a mild ankle sprain. So uh, I think that's in the uh, stuff happens category. Uh, none of this should uh, uh, really affect him going forward. And even his injury in college with the sports hernia, core muscle injury, it was real. And, uh, you know, but my guess is, you know, uh, because it was college, because, you know, his whole family is a legacy of first-rounders, uh, that his focus was on being the best first-round player and the best professional he could be. Uh, could he have finished out at Ohio State? I'm not calling him soft. I'm just saying everyone has priorities in life. Could he maybe have come back a little bit? The injury wasn't like as devastating as it was made out to be. It was real and good good on him for taking care of it. So I don't think he's somebody who's got a lot of these injuries that have kept him out a lot of time. I think it's just a lot of attention to every little injury because of who he is. You mentioned the, the little hamstring pull. It feels like we're getting a little bit more of these as training camp begins, just because I think guys don't do specific football training. They, they do a lot of sprint training. You know, They do a lot of running in the, the camp and do football activities, and the, the movements are a little different. So I've got two questions here. One, are we seeing more of these just because of the, the training now has changed for athletes? And two, 
you know, they, they seem to not go away all season. How worrisome if you have a, a favorite player on a team that has a hamstring pull in the beginning of the season? How worrisome is that for the entire season? Well, depends on the degree of the hamstring strain and depends on the player, the position, the type of player, et cetera. And so uh, it's hard to judge. That's one of the harder things for me to look at on video. You guys know I do this silly little thing. You look at video and you get an impression of what it is. That's great for traumatic injuries. But on a hamstring, it's hard to tell even if there were video. And right now there's no video and no formal injury reports in the preseason. It's kind of why I try and put out this preseason injury report. You can see on my Twitter timeline and update it across the league just to try and give people an idea and keep track of what's uh, going on, and you can sign up for it for free. But it's hard to tell exactly on a hamstring because, you know, let's say you do have film and a guy pulls up. uh, Does he pull up because he has a hamstring tear and he can't go uh, and he limps off, or does he pull up right at the moment before it actually tears and uh, and saves himself? You don't know. And, heck, in early season, you know, how do you know he doesn't pull up because it's a cramp? Uh, and that's another thing that happens early on. As far as training goes, you know, training's pretty good, but it's just hard to duplicate football. And and this this uh, current CBA probably doesn't help. You know, as you you know you you try and jam so much in right. to the same practice, right? I mean, you know, we all know how coaches work. I mean, if you're used to getting 80 plays of work in two practices, you're going to try and jam in 75 in one. You know, you work on two fields. You 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 know, it's higher paced. This that the other and and uh, the, the early acclimation injuries sometimes uh, can uh, happen. The other thing I think that happens is is media and the reporting. I mean, I think some of these hamstring strains didn't get reported as often. Now, now I you know on my Twitter timeline, I get reports from people that says, "Oh, someone's over on the side and the trainer's talking to him," <laughs> yeah. and then you know, ten minutes later, he's fine. You know, <laughs> kind of thing. Every little. Uh, Every little thing is uh, dissected, and uh, it used to be only the stars got reported. Now, heck, the uh, third-string offensive lineman or four-stringer gets a report nowadays. David Chow is at ProFootballDoc on Twitter. It is a great follow. If you're not doing that, you need to take care of that problem. You don't seem to be too concerned about Andrew Luck's calf. Because I hear calf, and when it happened, you said, no, this is an Achilles thing. It seems more Achilles-like for Kevin Durant. And Durant's name has been mentioned as it relates to Andrew Luck. But tell us why you feel like he's going to be healthy for Week 1 against the Chargers. Well, you guys asked some great questions, and I'm trying to keep my answers uh, succinct, but you guys ask multi-part great detailed <laughs> questions here, so I love it. Uh, first of all, Andrew Luck's situation, and by the way, Derek Henry situation down in Tennessee mm-hmm. is not Kevin Durant's situation. I get Adam Schefter's report. I get why players like that and coaches and we in the public see Kevin Durant, see what happened there and draw a simple association and worry about Andrew Luck and Derek Henry. They're not the same situations. If you've been following me, you see I was concerned about Kevin Durant from the get-go from the first time he hurt his calf slash lower leg and his return, and even when he returned, et cetera. I don't have the same concern for Luck and Henry. By the way, I am much more worried, and I put it in the preseason injury report, about Derrick Henry than Andrew Luck for several reasons. Um, I have no idea how severe either one of them are, and I love Coach Rabel and respect him, but they don't give any injury information. You know, I don't know that they fully 
how much they even confirm about the calf at all, much less how much it is in, in any timeline. But Derrick Henry's injury just happened. Andrews Lux was a couple months ago. Yes, calf injuries can linger, but look at the time frame. And also factor in the positions that are played and the type of player they are, Derrick Henry versus Andrew Luck. I'm much more worried about the calf lingering and potentially affecting Derrick Henry as we go into the season than Andrew Luck. Add into the fact that it's not like a Kevin Durant injury. It's been around longer. And Andrew Luck's probably learned an appropriate hypervigilance to injuries in terms of what happened with the shoulder and not pushing through and wanting to wait till he's 100%. And he's used to Frank Reich's system anyways, and what's the reason to rush? And his mental makeup has changed based on the shoulder injury. But understandably, Colts fans and whatever are not really trusting of the situation because they got okie-doked before in terms of his shoulder. Oh, next week he's going to play, he's going to throw. Oh, next week he's going to do it. It's another week he's going to do it, and then... He was out for the season uh, the, the the year before. So I get why people are a little suspicious of the situation. We got one minute left. I want to ask you just a, a quick question. Do you, do you have a favorite surgery to perform? I know that you, you, you still are very active in that field. Like, Is there one that, that you feel is your quote-unquote favorite to do? <laughs> well, uh, the one I just finished? No, just kidding. Uh, the the uh, I don't know, just anything arthroscopic, anything where you're helping people. But, uh, you know, ACLs I probably uh, uh, is probably the favorite. It's uh, more complicated, more steps, but then perhaps more, more satisfying uh, when you finish. So uh, and it's a little bit like a, an orchestra because there's a team of people working together and, and at the same time, much like a, a football play. Dr. David Chow, you're the best. It's amazing. Make sure you follow at Pro Football. Doc, we really appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Doc. That's some just unbelievable stuff right there. Just just outrageous. And I'm in Nashville, and I just had to tweet out about the Derrick Henry thing because that's not going to make Titans fan happy at all. Well, but I, let's so go the, ahead. The, the calf thing real quick. When, when the Kevin Durant thing happened, I actually had a bunch of people that, that texted me and said they had calf injuries, not what Durant had, but just in general. And they said that they do take a long time to heal, more than you think, and they're more worrisome than you think as well. So just the idea that Derrick Henry's is more concerning to him than Andrew Luck's is very intriguing to yes. me. And I do like the idea that Luck might know how to manage his body a little better because he had to go through this already. So he might know what his limitations are and be more careful. I think that's interesting as well. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Final segment on this Thursday, wrapping up. If you missed our conversation with Pro Football Doc, that's what you follow him with on Twitter. That's his handle, Dr. David Chow. You definitely want to subscribe to the Outkick Podcast. Same thing if you missed Frank Isola in hour number one. Two really good conversations that we've had today. David Chow just laid out exactly what's going on with Antonio Brown's feet. Clay's at Clay Travis. Outkick's at Outkick. Jeff's at Jeff Schwartz. I'm at J Mart Zone. Two more teams in Barnwell's article quickly. One is the Dolphins who he basically just sees bottoming out completely. They were not good last year, Jeff. They were 7-9, and nine, but this could be one of those teams that it just depends, I guess, on Josh Rosen when he gets in, but they've got a new coach. They don't have a lot of skill players. They lost some guys, I think, in both trenches, both on the offensive and defensive line. They just don't look like a very cohesive squad right now. And they are going to play, I think, Fitzpatrick 
which makes no sense to me because he is nothing more than a great backup. We've seen him now for a couple of years come into games, play very well for a couple of weeks, get figured out, and then go back to playing like a backup. He's not the future of your franchise. Ideally, you would like to play Josh Rosen from the yeah, beginning absolutely. to get him a full year under his belt. And instead, they are not doing that, I don't think. Um, at least they haven't, they haven't said they're going to do that. And I don't understand why not. It makes no sense to me. I don't know what their plan is. And look, I think Brian Flores so far has put together a decent staff and, and you know, has some decent ideas for what they want to do there. Um, but again, they are getting ready for their future. The future might be with Josh Rosen. They have a ton of picks next year. They could bottom out. They could draft themselves, you know, a Tua or Justin Herbert or Jake Fromm or whoever else might, might be available next year in the draft. But you at least have to give yourself an opportunity with Josh Rosen to see what he has. Otherwise, and, why make the trade? Yeah, and both of us are – and I, we may not get to our fifth team. We may have to save that and do it tomorrow off of this Barmore article, but – we're both kind of bullish on Josh Rosen. I still think he can play. I think that he was in a bad situation right. last year, and I, I just feel like people have given up on him, or mainly the Arizona just Kingsbury wanted his guy. If you're going to bring in Kingsbury, you better give him his guy so that he can run the offense or the guy that he wants in that system. But I just can't believe that Josh Rosen, it's like nobody's even paying attention to the fact that he was the most pro-ready coming out of college and seemed like he could be pretty daggone good, and now it's like, when's he going to get in because Fitzpatrick's going to start the season with that gig? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, maybe we're all wrong about him, too. I mean, that's, that's maybe a, we a are. possibility about this. Um, uh, and so I, I, I don't know if we're wrong because we haven't seen him get a full season to prepare and to play. Um, and so this is what I want to see because – the, the Dolphins owe this to themselves to check on the future of their franchise. And maybe the future is Josh Rosen. If not, it's, it'd be another quarterback next year, but at least give him the opportunity from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, look, they may bottom out. And this is a team. Look, Pro Football Focus wrote an article where they basically said this was a quote. If you're a general manager who, who believes you may need a quarterback within the next two years, quote, do everything in your power to go 0 16 leading into the 2021 draft with Trevor Lawrence, saying that he's that special. Maybe the Dolphins are going to be that bad. I have no idea, but the Rosen thing is fascinating. We'll tell you about that fifth team in Barnwell's article tomorrow. Also, three divisions to preview tomorrow to finish up our analysis of the NFL and finish up this week. Chad Withrow, Lance Taylor, and you. We'll see you then on OutKick. Be sure to catch live editions of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Oh, oh, oh. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.